we have the very words of God. Whether it's in our hands with a a Bible like this or on our phones or it doesn't matter. We have the words of God. And that's what we're going to be starting a series this week called His Story. And we're going to talk about His words. But today we're going to approach it from a little bit of a different angle. Over this series, we're going to understand how God's word is one big story. But first, why do we trust it? No bylaws or tradition or person or creeds or preferences come before the Bible. And if God's word says, enough said, right? That's what we believe. But how have we gotten to this point that we trust it so much? And today I'm going to spend a lot of time speaking about the Bible, but not necessarily from the Bible. And there's a reason for that. Yes, the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. But when you use a source to prove a source, that's called circular reasoning, right? Should we just say that I know the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true? But why do we respect and trust this book in particular? There are many holy books. The Koran, the Tipitaka, the Kojiki, the Daoji Jin. Most of you have no idea. I could have just made those completely up, but they're real. Go look them up. Many books claim to be the divine words of God. Why do we trust this book and we don't trust those books? What makes the Bible different? Is this book that began to be written 3,500 years ago, is it still relevant to me today? Why? With all the advances that we have in culture and education and technology, why do we still hold on to an ancient book? And if you have loved ones and friends that are not followers of Jesus, what do they think about how you trust the Bible to structure your life? It's got to be pretty strange for them, right? And yes, it is faith that saves us, but it's not blind faith. There is knowledge that supports our faith. We do have reason to believe. We don't have all the answers, but we do have evidence. And the biggest reason that we believe the Bible is because Jesus believed the Bible. He quoted it. He alluded to it. He pointed back to it. Now, in uh, the Bible in Jesus' day would have been just the Old Testament. But Jesus knew the Bible. And we should trust it firstly because Jesus trusted the Bible. We have example after example of Jesus using Scripture dozens of times. And that's just what's written down for us. Who knows how many more times he quoted it in his life. Okay, but really quick, why should we trust Jesus, right? Well, it's as simple as this. Jesus is a recognized historical figure. And any rational person, Christian or non-Christian, does not doubt that Jesus existed. And that same Jesus started a ministry around 30 years old. He had thousands of people following him, so much so that even secular historians wrote about Jesus. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh, 
And he backed up that claim by performing over 30 miracles, many in front of crowds of people. Then eventually the religious leaders of his day didn't like the attention that he was getting, so they put him on trial, they sentenced him to death, and they tortured him. And those disciples that had followed him abandoned him. The Romans were experts at killing, and they declared him dead. They put him in a borrowed tomb. They rolled a boulder in front of that tomb. End of story. Until three days later, Jesus rose himself from the dead. His heart had stopped, and he started it back up again. Jesus rose himself from the dead, and the trustworthiness that we have in the Bible is founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those same disciples that abandoned him before and saw him die, they saw that he was alive again, and they never again abandoned Jesus. Many even died for that message that Jesus was God. And even Thomas, who was skeptical at first, saw Jesus, believed, and then went with the other disciples all around the world to tell people about Jesus. Hundreds of people saw that risen Jesus, and he walked the earth for 40 days. And then before a crowd of people, he rose and ascended to heaven in front of them and promised to come back. See, the reason that we believe the Bible is because of the overwhelming proof of the resurrection. See, if a man can say that he's going to die and raise himself from the dead and then does it, I'm following that guy. And this is why I trust Jesus. And if Jesus trusted the Bible and fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament, of the Messiah, then I believe it too. But... At the completion of the Old Testament, God wasn't done speaking to us. Now, while on earth, God spoke directly through Jesus. And many of, uh, much of the Gospels is direct quotes from Jesus, eyewitness accounts from four different authors. But even after Jesus left, there would be more of God's words. We see that in John 16, verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. J.I. Packer says uh, this about this passage. Jesus had promised the twelve that the Spirit should come to teach them what in his own earthly ministry he had left unsaid. And he kept that promise so that the apostolic teaching was in reality the complete and final version of his own. Jesus said that the apostles were going to tell the rest of the story, and they did. And when John penned the final words of the book of Revelation, the Bible was finished. And God still speaks to Jesus' followers today, personally, with leadings and impressions on our heart. But as far as Scripture is concerned, 
It's complete. So when you're lost and you aren't hearing from God, open your Bible. Someone said, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. The Bible is absolutely essential for your life. But didn't humans write the Bible? Absolutely. God used people in their context with their skills and their personalities and their languages and was able to take all of that and still say what he wanted to say. Why? Because God orchestrates all of history and God can use our free will and still get where he wants to go. Way back in the book of Exodus, God told Moses to start writing down in a scroll what we would come to know as the Bible. And many people and years have come and gone for us to hold scripture in our hands. People have died for us to be able to have this. They've worked and dedicated their entire life for us to be able to have this thing called the Bible. It's miraculous. And the Bible is all about a telling and retelling and recounting the amazing works and character of God. And this is a story about God choosing to save and redeem his people. God has never wanted to be far away from us. He wants to lead us and guide us and for us to look like him. But aren't there other books of the Bible uh, that, that, that other churches claim are part of the Bible that we don't use as scripture? Yeah, there are. Namely, the books of the Apocrypha. Books like Tobit and Bell and the Dragon and Maccabees are some examples of these books. But the Apocrypha teaches some things that are not in agreement with the Bible. Examples are praying for the dead and petitioning dead saints that have gone before us in heaven for their prayers or worshiping angels or almsgiving atoning for our sins. Which sounds like a sweet deal, right? That's way better than actually, you know, repenting and that's way easier. Let me just give you a couple of bucks and all my sins are covered. Now, some of what the Apocrypha says is true and correct. However, due to the historical and theological errors, the uh, books must be viewed as fallible historical and religious documents and not as the inspired authoritative word of God. And most early Christians didn't accept these books as scripture either. So the Bible is one story, his story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. But the Bible's not one book. It's a collection of 66 ancient books that have been established by multitudes of scholars as reliable. The Bible's not one book written by one man like the Koran or the Book of Mormon. No, it's 40 authors over thousands of years separately writing pieces of Scripture through the inspiration of God. And the fact that these 66 authors uh, agree without error is nothing short of a miracle ordained by God. It's written in three different languages on three different continents, and it contains history and poetry and visions and letters. Yet there's not one contradiction or inconsistency in the Bible. It's all one story. Okay, well, maybe we did have the words of God 
2,000 years ago, right? But how do we know we have them today? How do we know what we have is actually the Bible? How do we know it hasn't been altered? How do we know the English Bibles is actually the same as the originals? Well, although we don't have the original Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, we do have really, really old ones. Scholars believe some as early as 100 to 150 AD. That's how old some of these things are, which is in the lifetime of disciples and not that much longer after Jesus died and rose again. See, they didn't have paper back then. It was written on papyrus, which is basically just an unrolled plant stem. But we still have them. Okay, well, we just have a few New Testament manuscripts, right? Well, expert Daniel B. Wallace says this. He says, New Testament scholars face an embarrassment of riches compared to the data the classical Greek and Latin scholars have to contend with. So these other uh, scholars that are trying to translate other books from other authors, we have so many more uh, manuscripts of the Bible than they do of the classical authors. The average classical author's literary remains numbers no more than 20 copies. We have more than a thousand times the manuscript data for the New Testament than we do for the average Greco-Roman author. Not only this, but the existent manuscripts of the average classical author are no uh, earlier than 500 years after the time that that author wrote. For the New Testament, we're waiting mere decades for surviving copies. The very best classical author in terms of existing copies is Homer. And I don't mean Simpson, the Iliad. Uh, And his manuscripts number less than 2,400. Compared to the New Testament manuscripts that approximately are 10 times that amount. We have so much overwhelming evidence and manuscripts that we have the copies of scripture, that we have the correct word of God. And because we have so many copies of scripture, we are confident that even if one letter is off on one manuscript or a a punctuation on another, that we collectively, without a doubt, have the perfect words of God. And hundreds of English scholars for 500 years have been working on translating these ancient texts to give us the Bible that we have today. Some of those translations try and put it into common English, right? Like the the message Bible. Others are more concerned with having each thought conveyed. Let's be like the, the, the NIV. And yet other translations are focused on every word being represented as much as possible. And I prefer that. I prefer a word-for-word translation, one that does its best to eliminate interpretation. I grew up reading the King James. All the verses that I have memorized are in the King James. And today I use another word-for-word translation uh, that is a little bit more updated from Old English, which is the ESV. What am I saying? I'm saying we are overwhelmed with evidence of the Bible. We have more resources than we could have ever Uh, believed. And they're still discovering and archiving new manuscripts of God's word even today. 
Once again, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the Bible. Bible translations, commentaries, Bible apps, devotions, Bible studies, sermon videos, all of them that tell us to love our neighbor, right? And we struggle with that stuff, though, right? We've got more evidence and knowledge than we could ever possibly partake in. God's word can be trusted and you need it. You need to systematically study God's word. In this country, in 2021, there is no excuse. We have more resources than we could ever even start to make a dent in. And you have the education And you aren't in a wilderness somewhere struggling to survive. You don't have to go out every morning and tend a farm for hours and hours and hours. You have time for things that you believe are important. D.L. Moody said, I've never met a useful Christian who wasn't a student of the Bible. I didn't say he said it. Watch it, D.L. See, there's overwhelming evidence for the resurrection. That same Jesus that raised himself from the dead loved the Bible, quoted it often, spoke new words of the Bible while on this earth. And then he said, these apostles that I'm leaving you are about to give you more. And they finished the New Testament. We have thousands and thousands of manuscripts of God's word, dozens of translations so that you're sure that you understand the meaning and you can check and compare and make sure that you have a full understanding. And that's amazing. That's awesome. If you're reading it and if you're studying it and if you're in love with it, it's the greatest story ever told sits on our shelf and collects dust. It's all the way hidden somewhere in our phone in some folder with a bunch of other apps that we don't use. It can change us. But instead, we want to listen to Dr. Phil instead, right? It brings hope and joy and victory. But instead of doing, uh, of doing what it says and following its word, we try in our own power and fail time and time and time again. You know that doesn't work, but we still keep doing it that way instead of doing things God's way. The Bible is essential for your life, and you can trust it. And I'm not up here trying to tell you today, hey, you should feel guilty that you don't read the Bible and all that kind of stuff. That's not even the point. You're missing out. Why are you doing it without this? You have the words of God. And we ignore it. We're apathetic about it. But just because we have God's word and we can trust it doesn't mean it's not strange sometimes, right? Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning, we got a talking snake. (laughs) And you've got a talking donkey, giants, angels, people raised from the dead, sicknesses healed. Some pretty bold stuff, right? There's things in here, I'm going to be honest with you, there's things in here that I don't like. There's things in here that make my life hard. There's things in here that contradict culture. 
But I trust it because Jesus did, and I tried my best to leave my life by it. Jesus asked often, haven't you read your Bible? Doesn't Scripture say? And he built on the truths of the Old Testament. He knew he was the culmination of the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus said in John 5.39, he says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness about me. Jesus says the Bible gives us life because the Bible points us to him. So in this series, we're going to talk about God's word, his story. You've got the different characters, right? You've got the protagonist, the hero, which is God. You've got the antagonist, which is Satan. It has love, how God feels about us. And it's got a plot, which is God's relentless pursuit of relationship with us. So this was all an intro to remind us why we can trust the Bible and why it matters. And next we're going to cover the entire story of the Bible in three weeks. The whole plot, the whole arc. And maybe you know someone that could use uh, these truths today. And you know that they've been struggling with uh, why we believe all these things and where we get this stuff from. Send this message to them. Invite them next week. Because the Bible is not just another book claiming to be divine. It's God's word. It's not just one way. It is the way, which is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves scripture, and we should too. Are you systematically and study, uh, reading and studying God's word? Is it changing you? It's not just about gaining more information. Faith without works is dead. A.W. Tozer said, until the Bible begins to speak to you, we really have not been reading it. The Bible is absolutely essential to your life. And it's not about checking off a, you know, the duty of reading so many verses a day, or, you know, reading a devotion. It's not about just checking a box off. The creator of the universe spoke to you. He wants to tell you how to live. He wants to tell you that he is near to you. He wants to show you how much he loves you. It's the greatest thing you could ever be a part of. And there are times where we get lost in the weeds of genealogies or stories that we don't understand. But don't forget the overarching story of the Bible. That you were lost. And you were desperate. And you had no hope. And God made a way for you to get to him. Because he loved you. So very much that he sent his son to die for you. So read scripture alone. Read it with friends. Read it with family. Just read it and let it read you. Every head's bowed, eyes closed. Remember as a kid growing up in church, hearing different sermons about you ought to read five chapters a day and you ought to, you know, do this and do that and do this. 
Forget all that stuff. And just realize that God wants to connect with you. God wants a relationship with you. And his word, these love letters to the world, are a primary uh, way that he wants to speak to you. Band's going to come. Maybe you need to fall in love with Scripture all over again. It's not easy. There's weird stuff in it, stuff I don't like. But I realize that I'm the problem there. God, help us to double down on our love for Scripture. Bam's going to play for a minute, and let's just take a moment of reflection as they quietly just play a little something. Now let's pray and ask God to change our hearts. Help us to make the appropriate amount of time for His Word, to fall in love with Scripture all over again. Maybe you need to set alarms, write sticky notes and put them in different places, ask for an accountability partner. We remember the things that are important to us. We've got to put God's word and this relationship with God in its proper place. Maybe you're listening or here today and you're not sure that you have really even accepted Jesus, that you've, you might believe in God and, and enjoy the whole church thing. Maybe you don't. <laughs> That's okay, too. But where it starts, the biggest decision of your entire life is what to believe about Jesus. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. And we know that. We've fallen short of God and His standards. But we've also fallen short of our own standards. We've messed up and we've lied and we've cheated and we've stolen. Thought wicked thoughts. And because of that, that separates us from God. God's not okay with us hurting His children. Just like a father wouldn't be okay with you hurting his child. It creates separation. Romans 5.8 says that God commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we had offended God and sinned against God, he made a way for us to make it right. 
Namely, not through working our debts off. But God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, walked this earth and lived a perfect and a holy life. And an innocent person died for all of us guilty people. But he didn't say dead. After three days, he rose himself from the grave, breaking the chains of sin and death forever. And this is how you're able to have a relationship with God is through what Jesus did on the cross. If you've not yet decided to be a follower of Jesus, you can do that today once and for all. Jesus wants to give you that gift of your sin being paid off because he loves you. You can call out to God right now accept that gift of salvation. Words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. It's about a a decision in your heart to let go of all those things you've held on to and put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone as the only means of your salvation. I want to encourage you to call out to God right now. Say, I I understand that I'm a sinner. I put my faith in Jesus. It's the only means of me to get to God. God, please save me. Would you do that today? I'd love to know about it if you make that choice.